Welcome to Sound and Vision, that trivia-based wonder of pop culture, with your host, Marty Boston. Thank you, Scary Children. Yes, we're back with a, another episode. This week, I have the absolute pleasure of once again being joined by the infamous director, Luke Martin. Say hi, Luke. Good evening. How are we? Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, no, I love it. I love it when you come on. You are the man with the most knowledge that comes on this show, so I'm always happy to have you on. This week, this week's theme is, um, I feel like the only person who could do this week is Luke, to be fair, because basically we're going to do the show completely different. For the next hour and a half, it's just going to be Luke doing impressions of uh, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> You're adding the pressure. Yeah. Um, Jack Nicholson... Arnie, you can do quite a few impressions, actually. You're good with them. Yeah, you're egging me on now. <laughs> Maybe later. Let's see. Let me ease as, into the as show. We get then, into it. Yeah. Sometimes they're just, you know, off the cuff. Mm. But, uh, yeah. As, uh, as we're on the subject, so Jack Nicholson, an amazing actor. Everyone who knows who Jack Nicholson is. Everyone has that idea of a certain film of, that's the film that I see Jack Nicholson in. That's the mm. one that I go to. Excluding our choices today, is there any others in particular when you're like, that's the one for me? I mean, there are so many, and and I know your choices, obviously. Mm. Uh, one of the films in particular is is up there that you've chosen, and uh, there are the, the two films I've chosen are some of his best performances. Yes, there's, there's, there's another, I think, uh, that he is critically acclaimed for which isn't in our choices mm -hmm. and we can mention that later. you obviously don't want me to mention the film no you, you can mention that oh, okay one. yeah well i think the departed yeah um you know uh i don't like going with choices that that every, I, I don't conform mm -hmm. so everyone kind of lauded him for that and rightly so but you know usually i wouldn't say the departed because everyone else has chosen it but it's undeniable he's he's fantastic in that yeah um, I mean, he gives mercurial stellar performances in everything he does. He's just such a natural um, actor. Uh, Is there any Jack Nicholson film that you've seen and you've gone, oh. Well, do you reckon he can... The lift? Witches of Eastwick, he's great in it, but it was a, it was a yeah. bit of a, a, a naff film, yeah. if I'm being honest. Um, as good as it gets. I kind of like his. I mean, really? Yeah, I kind of like it. <laughs> uh, he's he's with that. Take him out of that equation. It's nowhere near as good a film. Yeah, I I think it's a bit dated. If you watch it Absolutely. now, it's a bit dated. Um, it's one of those nineties. Its intention was very sweet, but now you watch it back and comes across as something um, else entirely. Yeah, yeah. There were there were a few films around that era, like The Birdcage, that kind of thing. That you know, camp cheesy comedy. Anything with. Holly Hunt in now is a little bit dated, <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say Witches of Eastwick. He's great in bit of a bit of a ropey film, Departed, fantastic in, and these films we've selected mm. probably his best. This is this is the thing with Jack Nicholson because uh, we, we were saying prior to coming on the show before we came on air that Jack Nicholson is an interesting actor because he's 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 not a method actor. He's not a character. He's always. Jack Nicholson, and, but Jack Nicholson can fit into any role being Jack Nicholson. He is eccentric, he is loud, he is vibrant, he's always got that smile that you know him for, but he, he's, he can't just be stereotyped into the crazy guy. He can be stereotyped into any, he can jump into any role, fit it perfectly, mm. and he, he just goes with it. You cannot, I've not seen a film with Jack Nicholson in when he doesn't suit the role. Regardless of what it is, mm. he can get every single one and he hits the nail on the head every single time. He's fascinating that he's able to do it. And uh, again, as we were saying off air, there's only few actors which can do that. Pacino's another one mm. um, when you just watch a film and it's just them playing themselves, but they fit the character still, regardless. Mm. They're not trying to be something else. You know, they haven't done what Joaquin Phoenix did, for example, when, you know, he, he really got into the role of being the Joker. He. he it, you know, characters like that, they, they get method, they get involved. Like Kristen Bale with The Machinist is another prime example as well, mm. when they just really get into the moment. And even when they're off camera, they're still in that character because they need to be in that Jack, mentality. Jack Nicholson is, is one of those actors who's almost top of the pile when it comes to that. When the cameras aren't rolling, he is still invested 
if you watch behind the scenes footage of The Shining when he's getting ready to smash the axe through the door mm. he's it's it's something to behold watching that it's a two minute clip but the way he amps himself up really and he he's you know oh, little pigs little pigs I'm gonna huff I'm gonna puff he's, he's really as the crew are setting up lights <laughs> and setting wow. up camera he is and and to be on set and witness that must have been fantastic amazing I'm sure a lot of actors you know m- try and mimic that but he is one of those who masters that he's up there, he's, definitely. I, I don't know if I'd call him method like someone like Christian Bale or, no he's not method or, he's or, or, Dan- or Daniel Day-Lewis I mean. you know who really invests himself so much and does insane things to get himself really within the c- character but um, he's certainly some someone who gives 150% mm. to his craft Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like with Nicholson, it's almost the character is he's shaping itself around Jack Nicholson as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. It's not Nicholson becoming the character. Yeah, the character as you say, we were Jack talking Nicholson. about earlier, and I mentioned to you that I, I agree. You know, when, when I watch Nicholson, I'm watching Nicholson be Nicholson. Yeah. Um, and we said about Phoenix, the beauty of Phoenix is, you know, if I'm watching Ryan Reynolds, who I'm not a fan of, I know that I'm watching Ryan Reynolds be Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And it's almost as if he's winking to the audience, saying, hey, it's me, right? Which is why Deadpool was perfect for him, you know. Um, uh, And I find that quite irritating. I prefer actors or actresses where I'm not thinking of them as their star name. I'm thinking of them as, you know, as a character. And Nicholson, I wouldn't say fundamentally is a character actor. It's, oh, you know, I'm seeing Nicholson here, like yeah. Pacino. You're watching Pacino, be Pacino. but he's so watchable. You can't Nicholson. help but enjoy it. Yeah, he's got such charisma. He's such a fantastic actor that, um, yeah, he's 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 just so iconic. Yeah, heaven on my head. The way that the show works is as follows: because you're probably wondering, um, both me and Luke have chosen two films each. We have three clues each for each film. So I have three clues for my first and for my second. So that's six in total. Um, And I'm going to give you these three clues for my first film. A little bit of music is going to be played, uh, which is not related to the film in any way, shape or form. That's your time to try and work out what the clues are with regards in the film. I will come back, reveal what the film is. We'll chat about it for a little bit. Then it'll be Luke's go. He'll do the same. And we'll do that twice over. So me, Luke, me, Luke. Simple enough. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, I hadn't seen my first choice, and it gave me a reason to watch it, and I was very, very happy that I finally got to see it. It was a film which I'd wanted to see for a while. You recommended it as a brilliant film, and I was very, very impressed with it. Mm. It was really good. We will go on to the first clue. The role of Evelyn Mulray was originally intended for the producer's wife, Ali McGraw. But she lost the role when she divorced him for Steve McQueen. Awkward. Faye Dunway and Roman Polanski were notorious for their on-set arguments. During filming, Polanski pulled out some strands of Dunway's hair. On another occasion, when she asked him what her character's motivation was, he exploded saying, Your salary is your motivation. Clue three. Jack Nicholson, who plays... Jake Gitts is present in every scene of the film. This is due to the whole story being from the main character's perspective, which is fantastic. Mm. I was really, really impressed by that as well because it's quite easy to if, chop and change. Yeah, anyone who's seen this film, it makes sense that it follows him uh, the whole way through. Um, and we can go into that afterwards yeah. without giving anything away. I, I, there's a little bit of extra trivia about that, about the relationship between Dunway and Polanski. Um, they hated each other so much and uh, Polanski uh, it's well known within the, within the industry that he um, urinated in her coffee wow and she found out about it and um, I think she she tried to or, or she succeeded in <laughs> throwing the coffee in his face <laughs> um, yeah now you know why he did that one can only speculate yeah. whether whether it was to get a, a rise out of her to instill a particular performance or, or whatnot but but um 
Shows the times have changed. Yeah, you did that now. Yeah, a different, now, age, fire, a, a different age. Yeah. Not even an idea. You are out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely insane. Right, we'll be back after this. Imagine you're a detective in Los Angeles. I'd like to go to Los Angeles one day. Um, and you're hired by Mrs. Mulray to spy on her husband. Shortly after you're hired, the real Mrs. Mulray appears in the office threatening to sue if you don't drop the case immediately. You uh, pursue the case anyway and slowly uncover a vast conspiracy centering on water management, which I, I cannot believe a film was based around water management and worked. Um, state corruption, land use, real estate, and involving at least one murder. Mm. That's, um, that's from the absolutely epic film, which is Chinatown. A noir detective story with Jack Nicholson as the centre detective and this is exactly going to what i was saying earlier it's jack nicholson so you automatically assume that he's going to go down maybe the villain route or you know the mental health route or something along those lines not that way at all he's the straight and narrow detective he's trying to work so he's a pi he's trying to work something out he's he's primarily known for um wives looking into their husbands who are having affairs and just it absolutely explodes how big this case is and how many different levels there are to who's involved, who knows stuff. Um, oh, it's just a wonderful film. And mm. it was so interesting to see Nicholson play this role because I, I did stereotype him to a certain extent, but to see him as this, he, he's just a wonderful actor. And this type of film really portrays that he doesn't have limits. He can go so far. In addition, on top of it, this is a 1972, 72, 74, 74. 74. So this was made in 1974. And anything with a period piece in this um, moment in time, it's really nice to see because same with LA Confidential, you don't have to necessarily know when it was made because it's set in like the 1920s and 30s. Mm-hmm. It still looks exactly the same regardless. So it's ageless in that sense. There's no need for CGI, so you don't have to worry about that. It doesn't age badly. It's portraying that period in time, and it works wonderfully. And Nicholson fits the role so so well. Um, all of the actors in it are really good. Roman Polanski, with his little cameo as yeah. well as the little guy who cuts his nose open yeah. as well, is hilarious. He was gutted because he had to cut his hair um, when going on screen, which I thought was odd considering he was director. He could have chosen to keep his hair, but he didn't. Yeah, Roman Polanski, obviously Sharon Tate. That's yeah. his most famous one, uh, and then. With, he's not allowed in the US anymore because of the, in, you know, the issues which he had with a thirteen-year-old girl, mm. and we'll say no more about that. But yeah. you can kind of read between the lines. But yeah, an absolutely wonderful film with the amazing classic line of um, "Forget it, Jack, it's Chinatown." And there's there's a little bit more about that as well, which I thought was really interesting. So I wrote it down. Um, the film's title. Chinatown is a metaphor for the moral corruption by unseen forces. Throughout the film, Jake refers to his time as a police officer in Chinatown, where you can't always tell what's going on. In Hollywood, the movie's line, forget it, Jack, it's Chinatown, has become a mantra for those who've burned out or snubbed by the entertainment industry. The implication being that it's better to let it go than make an issue of it, because that's just how the industry works. Yeah, you're not going to be able to change it. Um... And uh, certainly that line is is in response to the idea that the amount of corruption that's going on in this town, even though he's uncovered it all, he's not going to be able to, to, to change the way. It's just that's the way it is. It is, it is a timeless film, hmm. but then it, it, it you know, utilises all the common codes and conventions and all the tropes of noir. Yeah, it's a neo noir, but it's you know it's got all of the those tropes, uh, the femme fatale, the the whiskey drinking, 
um, overweight, constant smoking. Yeah, private eye. You know the the kind of. I don't think he wears a trench coat, but you know. No, the gorgeous sunsets. Yeah, everything filmed kind of um, at magic hour. Uh, you know the the light shining through the the the, the Venetian blinds. Genius um, thing which he uses, which I've never seen in any film. He has uh, in his dashboard in his car a load of pocket watches, and when he pulls it out, I'm 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 unaware of why he's doing it, and I just thought it was fascinating as an idea back then that you would get a pocket watch because he's waiting to see when a car leaves. He sets the time in a pocket watch. He puts it under the tire of a guy he's waiting for, drives off. And then he goes back to see the pocket watch is it's smashed broken, yeah. at a certain time. So he knows when that person... Absolutely ingenious. Well, I suppose, you know, when it was written, they would have taken inspiration from what came before in mm. other noir films, but also true accounts from the little tricks and trades of, yeah. of, of real private eyes before they had digital technology and devices that could that could, you know... Uh, give them those kind of results so it is it's full of all that little stuff but i agree you know it, uh, the corruption in water management i think that the story goes that the the water management company are, are drying out the land yeah there's a drought yeah they're causing LA. a drought um for whatever because they want to buy the land mm -hmm. so, so the drought will cheaper. make the land cheaper and and the guy who is murdered found out about it and and so they kill him off and then the, the wife of the guy who was killed you know, it's 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 a little bit it's uh, it's confusing. It's yeah, it's convoluted. Yeah, but what you said earlier about it, it's it's Jack Nixon all the way from mm. him all the way until he uncovers it. Uh, they were initially going to have Nixon narrate this film as well. However, they chose not to because they wanted the audience to understand and find stuff out at the same time that Nicholson did, which, mm. again, I feel like works brilliantly for this type of film. With the ending, I don't want to give the ending away. But did you expect it? Did you see this film prior to knowing what the ending is? Or did you go in with fresh eyes? Or when was the first time you saw this? Did you... I saw this. It would have been 2000 and... Early noughties. 2002, 2003. The reason I know that is when I left school, I went to college and did film studies. I was going to say, very precise. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And in our first year of film studies, we, we watched it and studied it. Um, so that was my first kind of exposure to it obviously I was always already a Nicholson fan but this is one of his earliest films mm. I'd heard of it but I'd never never seen it and it was kind of my introduction to noir wow as well what a brilliant film to be introduced yeah. to yeah I mean if you watch the films from the 50s and the 40s 50s uh, noir films there's, there's some of the, the, the best noir films you're going to get and this is more of a like I said, neo-noir, so it, it took elements of that, but it didn't utilise the, the mad angles as much and mm. the, the over-empowering uh, you know, uh, images of the buildings caving in on people like the, 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 the black not, and white noirs did. Yeah, there's not constant rain. It's not always night time. Right. But, but right. don't go down that route. But um, it certainly arcs back to those. I, it's a very slow burner. You know? And dare I say, I was a bit younger when I watched it, and the first time I watched it, I was kind of like, okay... It's a nice film, but get to it. The story I found the story a little bit empty. Well, like I said, a water company. Yeah, but then you watch a film second, third time, and uh, you know, in on, in your own time indoors, and I have done since, and it grows on you, and you, you start to you, really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you realise it's like Blade Runner. You know, it has that pace of Blade Runner, mm. which is a, a tech noir, noir film has similarities when he's indoors playing the piano and drinking his his scotch etc those moments where the individual the guy is alone and he's a drunk and he's trying to solve the case and he's alone with his own thoughts they can be boring mm -hmm. the first time you watch a film but then when you see it a second you start to appreciate those those moments and uh, Chinatown has those in abundance yeah it's 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 one of those over, over time it becomes a classic it's aged well yeah and it, it will continue to age age well. It's a brilliant film. That is my first choice. Luke, what is your first choice? Great, okay, clue number one. Kirk Douglas owned the rights to this film and was supposed to star in the lead role. 
However, when they were ready to make the film, he was deemed as too old. His son, Michael Douglas, co-produced this film. Clue two. Uh, in the fishing scene, all of the cast, except Nicholson, got seasick. Um, and unfortunately for them, it took a week to film this particular scene. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were on a boat out at, out at sea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and clue three. Many of the extras were actually mental patients. Really? Mm. Wow. That's... Which is a huge clue. I mean, that should give it away. Yeah, that's, that's ballsy to do that. Yeah, but uh, uh, the director obviously wanted some realism in the background. Yeah, completely. Um, Worked so. well as well. Yes, I think so. Amazing. Fantastic. I just thought it was really good actors. Clearly, I was... <laughs> well, I'm talking extras in the background, yeah. background, not the supporting cast. Yeah. Fantastic. And we will reveal after this. So, this is the 1975 classic, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I think probably my favourite Jack Nicholson film ever. Yeah, I think it's my, I would say so, and my favourite Nicholson performance. Yeah, agreed. Um, In my opinion, his best. Can you give us a brief plot? Yes, indeed. So, the film centres around uh, Randall McMurphy... Uh, played by Nicholson, who is transferred to a mental institute uh, from a prison to be evaluated uh, to see whether he is truly insane, even though they suspect he's putting on this uh, you know, perceived insanity to get out of prison. He wants an tra- easy life. An easier kind of, yeah. um, But they want to evaluate him. So he is put in this mental institute, and whilst he's there, he befriends and begins to understand the various different... Uh, patients um, that reside there and uh, all at this time all, all the while he's in constant agonizing or in the constant agonizing gaze of the head nurse their nurse ratchet uh, played by louise uh, fletcher yeah, she, so she's she's an icon that character she is, like, she is known through pop culture she, she got a lot of grief nurse ratchet. actually because of the she's fantastic in it oh yeah um, amazingly but she is so cold she plays it so so coldly. In actual fact, I read whilst doing research for this that even she admitted that her performance was so cold and uh, she felt during the shoot that it was really coming across that she herself mm. is a cold person. That at the, the, the final week of the shoot, as they wrapped, she, she undressed down to her underwear in front of the crew to show them that she was light-hearted and, and, and not not a total wow um you know so um but yeah she she got a lot of lot of grief for it like you can only imagine walking down the street Completely. after a performance like that um the abuse verbal abuse she, she probably got but was this her first role because i don't think i've seen her in anything before since after i i haven't no, and i don't I. know much about her career now no. whether or not this um, you know, because people can get typecast, and if you're giving such an iconic performance, it can be hard Where do you go to from that? yeah, uh, it can be hard for people to see past that. Um, so I don't remember seeing her in much more no. after that. But um, yeah, she's she's if you know if if uh, Nicholson's performance is the thesis, then she is the antithesis in in, in this film that she complements him and he to her. Um, and, so brilliantly, and even if even if this was where her career ended, it started a lot of other people's careers. There's a lot of big names in here yeah, as there's, well. There's a young Danny DeVito, very young, and a Christopher Lloyd, yeah, from Back to the Future fame. Um, and uh, the actor who plays Billy, uh, I forget his his name. I mean, he ended up in Lord of the Rings, and he's, and he's brilliant. Yeah, 
and he he he's another one who sort of steals the show. Uh, they're all they're all fabulous. Anyway, you really but, go for Billy. I love Billy. Yeah, it's it's you know anyone who's seen it knows it's a tearjerker. It's a heartbreaker. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, the impact he has, McMurphy, on this community of patients and the humanity he shows them, which is what the nurses hate, and, and you know uh, and the, the the nurses and the wardens, etc. That's what they're there for. Mm. Right, but they just see them as a number. They treat them with pills and electrolysis, etc. Whereas he comes in and he's supposed to be this criminal, this psychopath, etc. And he's the one who sh- shows them friendship and and humanity. It's just a heartwarming tale. Um, and the end, even though it's it is a bit it's a bit sweet end. It is. Um, but but uh, you know, it fa- works. Fabulous ending, and it's got some of the best lines, certainly in in any collection of Nicholson films yeah you know put it in a basket chief and chief's adorable as yes. well their relationship yes is is absolutely amazing because you know again Nicholson is very eccentric so he's very vocal and chief is the polar opposite literally doesn't speak doesn't say anything and yet you see yeah. their bond grow over the course of the film which is wonderful well it's interesting um this was adapted from a, a novel mm. by a chap called uh, Ken Kesey, Kelsey, I think his name was. And the novel is from the perspective, it's written from the perspective of the chief. Really? And when he heard the film was finished and it wasn't from the perspective of the chief, the author of the book was very upset and refused to see uh, the film. Um, You know, perhaps understandably, you've written, this is your work, and then someone's adapted it and then changed a big part of it mm. um, because the chief is an integral character and he is always there he's just not at the forefront so from a perspective point of view it would be perfect to be from his because it would be it's almost like he's the fly on the wall that is what chief is in that film for the most part he's there in the background just looking at what's going on well he's playing the biggest scam of all he's a mute yeah as well, everyone believes he's a mute yeah. that's what but he's not really, he speaks, and, and, and McMurphy's the one who kind of gets it out of him, unknowingly. And, uh, you know, f- for whatever reason, the chief wants to be in there. He, he's a, a, um, a prisoner by choice. Mm. But the impact that uh, McMurphy has on him leads him to, to break free in the end. Oh, it's, 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 so, it's so sad, you know, it's a tearjerker, but it is fantastic when he breaks through. Um, the music rises yeah. when he's running away as well and it's just it's a wonderful ending too yeah. I mean because the first two thirds of the film is very you know there's some sad moments but overall there's a very happy vibe but Nicholson's here and then the third it really takes a turn on how negative it gets um, and you see the darker side of a mental institute in that period of time as well so then to end on that high when Chief's running, oh, what an ending. Mm. What a lovely, lovely ending. Yeah, it's a fabulous film. I saw it first as a kid. It was on telly one night and my, um, I was in the living room with my folks and my sister and, and my dad was like, oh, we've got to watch this film. And, uh, so, you know, what's it about, Dad? And he laid the premise out. I was about eight, you know. There's lots of swearing in it. And, you, know. you saw this film at the age of eight. Well, you know, I've, I've grown up watching films. My, my folks, my folks <laughs> let me watch films because I don't think they were too worried uh, that it would have a, a negative impact on me. Anyway, so he told me the presence, and me and my sister looked at each other like, "Oh, this is going to be boring." Whatever, Dad. And even at eight years old, as it finished, I was like, "That is, that was toilet. That is <laughs> absolute toilet." No, it was, uh, that was absolute brilliance. You know, it's one of those films that stays with you over time. You, 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 every now and then you go back to it because it's, it's it's almost perfection. Yeah, I can watch it again and again and mm. again. It's a really, really enjoyable film. I can't recommend it highly enough if you've never seen the film. Um, again, although we've told you that Chief runs away, we haven't given you some other things. So it's definitely still worth a watch. It wasn't spoiler-filled just there because... Some of the moments in it are just—it's it's funny. It's hilarious. Yeah, it it's really a heartwarming is. tale with a bittersweet ending. But the, the interaction between Nicholson and the rest of the cast is is mesmeric. Um, you know, uh, when he wants to watch the baseball game, is one scene that <sighs> belly laughs. You know, 
know, when they're playing poker. Just put your hand up. Yeah. Put your hand up yeah. right here. Put your hand yeah. up. You want to watch the ball game? You want to watch the ball? Someone get me a wiener quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when they're playing poker and he's trying to teach the guys how to play poker and they're using cigarettes as their chips. Yep. And, you know, and and uh, a, a cigarette is a is a um, is a dime is a dime, and yeah, I bet a diamond. And a dime is the bet, you know. And Danny DeVito breaks his cigarette in half. He's like, oh, well, I bet a nickel. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, "What's this? You can't. Can you smoke it? No. <laughs> this <laughs> this is useless." Yeah. There are so many brilliant moments like that. Um, that yeah, it's a wonderful film. It's a classic. I can't recommend it enough. That is. Luke's first choice. I'll go on to my second. And I purposely, because of what this film is, I made the clues difficult. Because you could easily get this in one. But I didn't want that to happen, so I've made it difficult. You may not even know what I mean, people are probably going to get our next two films or ha- you know, hazard a, a decent guess considering on his plethora of work but yeah. we haven't mentioned a couple of his top yeah. films so <laughs> this one is at the back of their minds I'm sure absolutely story. yeah clue one Robin Williams was offered the role when Jack Nicholson hesitated to confirm he had even accepted the role when producers approached Nicholson again and told him Williams would take the part if he didn't Nicholson took the role and Williams was released Williams resented being used as bait and refused to be involved in any Warner Brothers productions until the studio apologised. Horrific- I didn't know that. Yeah. I did not know that. Horrific and I could, I that. could really see him in this oh, part. Massively. Uh, I'm glad you know, he didn't. Not because I don't... I mean, I love Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, but Nicholson's so perfect in this, this role. Yeah, absolutely. Out of the two, he, he wins hands down on this. Yeah. Clue two. In order to combat negative rumours about the production, a theatrical trailer was hastily assembled to be distributed to theatres. To test its effectiveness, Warner Brothers executives showed it at a theatre in Westwood, California to an unsuspecting audience. The 90-second trailer received a standing ovation. Later, it would become a popular bootleg at comic book conventions and theatre owners would report paying customers paying full price for movie tickets just have an opportunity to see the trailer and leave him before the feature began. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's the day before the internet, though, right? So Yeah, the lengths people had to go yeah. through. A full cinema ticket, full price, just to see a trailer. Yeah. Amazing. Clue three. A scene was written but never filmed in which the Joker took over a public ceremony, held Mayor Borg hostage, using Borg to experience a breakdown unveiled a statue of himself and laced the Gotham City Police Department's coffee with non-lethal poison which would have explained why there are no police in the parade scene I never even thought about that to be honest until I saw that clue but it makes perfect sense there are no police officers there at all Yeah. and for something as big as that you would have all the police there especially because this guy's gone on and gone yeah I'm going to be here it never really occurred to me. No. You know, I mean, it's... it's You've kind of given it away now, so I could say it's a superhero film. Yeah. You allow a few plot holes in a superhero film. Um, but, yeah, that's interesting. Mm. I'm trying to think think back if there's a reason why. I know that, that um, they had their hands full with news readers and, and the like getting poisoned, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he kind of confesses to that he with does. a broadcast. Yeah. So then he he's given a parade. Why aren't they trying to arrest? So now the more I think about it, that's a big plot hole. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. If, if for some reason you haven't had time to think about what the film is, I'll give you this moment now.
Imagine, you know, you're walking down from a cinema, you've gone to see Zorro or whatever they see. It is normally Zorro that they've seen in the cinema. Or maybe you've gone to an opera and uh, you're with your parents and you go down this alley, crime alley. Clearly, alarm bells are already ringing. It's called Crime Alley, Jesus, man. <laughs> and um, <laughs> this guy comes up to you and he, he kills your parents. It's brutal, it's horrible, and it scars you for life. So, um, What does he say to the parents? Have you ever danced with the devil by the pale moonlight? <laughs> oh, what an absolute <laughs> line. It is, yeah, it's such a wonderful, it's my favourite quote of this film. I oh, yes, instead of all my prey. I just like the sound of it, what? you know. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's, and when he's, yeah, oh, it's, it's wonderful. Basically, it's Batman. I'm not even going to go into the plot. You know what Batman is. You know who the Joker is. Nicholson plays the Joker. No matter how many different versions of a Joker I've seen, you know, we went into Joaquin earlier. You've got Mark Hamill. You've got um, Jared Leto. You've got Heath Ledger. You've got so many people. Every single time, Nicholson wins for me. There's so many different portrayals of a Joker, and you know, some are a lot more serious, some are not so much. No one beats Nicholson. I can't believe you mentioned Jared Leto in the same breath. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have to. I I'd erased that from my memory. So I know it happened once, um, and you know, it it goes without saying, but it wasn't the best to say the least. Um, but I don't think it was entirely down to him. I think the oh, the, no. the, the stylistic choice of, of how they designed him and with the the, 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 the tattoos, the tattoos, and the, and the, the metal in his teeth, yeah, and, yeah. but. I mean, he's over the top. Jared he tried Leto. to do method. Um, I've heard all the stories yeah, about so what he did. Just sending yeah. him stuff like used condoms. Yeah, I he's know. Like, dude, what are you doing? I That's know. past the point. That's not helping your fellow actors in that situation. I think he's got either. a classic case of in love of himself, and 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 um, this is just my personal opinion, but but uh, puts himself up on that mantle with with the best actors around, and I don't think he is. No. Having said that. Uh, I thought he was fantastic in Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, um, but he was more—he was more subdued in that. Mm. Um, he wasn't—he wasn't centre stage, and no. he works better as that. Yeah. Be centre stage when you're in your band. Wonderful, yeah. thirty seconds to Mars for a good band. Yeah. All right, but when it comes to films, he's better as a bit part as opposed to front I, and centre. I, I agree. I even agree. even in his very very small role in Fight Club, yeah, he's brilliant in that. Going back, going back to. Uh, this Batman, this Nicholson. I personally believe this is the best Batman film of all time. It always has been. Now, there's an element of nostalgia there. I'm a nostalgic person when it comes to film mm. and other you know, devices. But um, I still hold true that this is the best Batman film. Best Batman, Michael Keaton. Keaton is the best Batman. Um, best score. Uh, yeah, I mean, Danny Elfman. Tim yeah. Burton and Danny Elfman go yeah. hand in hand anyway, but it fits Perfectly. It's a different type of Batman to Nolan's, and I love Nolan's trilogy. Don't get me wrong, and I love Heath Ledger as the Batman. But there is a, a joyous ride to Nicholson's Batman. Um, the comical moments, you know, wouldn't hit a man with glasses, would you? And uh, and when he zaps the guy with the buzzer, ridiculous buzzer that he's got on his like a kid's oh, toy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 got a live one here. Oh, got a little hut on the collar there, aren't you? You know, all those little. And when he pulls the gun out of his trousers when the bat oh, planes come moment. in, and you, you, the first time you see it, you think it's just going to be a pistol, and it, it just keeps going. It's so long that he has to kind of shimmy himself, and uh, it, it, he's hilarious. Even, in it. even even with like the gargle at the end, he's holding on to it. He's like, oh, yeah. but don't make it like we do. Do a bad face. He's like smacking <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, genius! Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And it was the first time that an origin of the Joker came about. Jack Napier, mm. you know, but they portrayed him as an actual person. You got to see the background of the Joker prior, which, you know, was fascinating to see because if you've read any of the comics, he's always been this anomaly that no one knows who he is. And to see him not only turn, but to find out that he's the one who made Batman. So they're so. In a really, it's a really ridiculous way. I mean, he falls into oh. a, a, a bat of acid. Yeah, he does. Um, and uh, that's what turns him white and, you know, with the green hair, etc. Which is a bit crazy. But this was, I think, 1989. Mm-hmm. You know, around that time, they were, they, the comic book films they were making, like Dick Tracy, 
Dark Man, which is oh. a massively underrated. You're shaking your head, but I love really? Dark Man because it was it was comic book films of the nineties. I you know I they love, didn't have CGI. They, I love Dick Tracy, so yeah, yeah so I, I'm with real you on that. like tongue in cheek. You know, you watch Dick yeah. Tracy; it's ridiculous with yes. mumbles. You know, Dustin Hoffman <laughs> and <laughs> the prosthetics, etc. That's what they had, so they had to kind of make it um, hammy. Mm. And and this Batman film, yeah, mirror, mirror, you know, it's it's hammy. What a wonderful, wonderful scene that is as well when he first unveils himself. Parodied by The Simpsons, just goes to show how iconic. Is that, that with Krusty, uh, clown, or Sideshow Bob? Sideshow Bob does it. I think it might be Sideshow. I think Lisa does it as does well, she? doesn't she? I don't know. I'm sure it's Lisa. I know it's either side show. After she gets Rusty. a haircut or something. <laughs> really? <she's> like, mirror. <laughs> mirror. <laughs> You'll have to understand what I'm working with. Mirror. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, there's, it's just, like I say, I'm, a lot of it is nostalgia, but the... Um, Everything works. The interaction in between Keyson and Nicholson is spot on. Um, the one-liners... And it's 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 aged well, mm, I think, very well, because of the the practical effects and the the stunts. You know, every henchman, like the 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 guy who was the ninja guy, they all knew what they were doing. The guy with the swords, they obviously hired people, gave them no lines, but no. you know, all you got to do is do flying kicks, and you know, absolutely um, amazing. And they didn't overshoot it. The set pieces with cars, it's the best Batmobile, in oh, my opinion. Yeah, it's the most iconic Batmobile. New York Mile, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah it, I just I adore it and Nicholson is the icing on the cake with his over the top but 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 fits perfectly performance it's a wonderful film I love it it's um, not my favourite Batman film the sequel was my favourite Batman, Batman Returns, Returns. Well, again I think Batman Returns is a really underrated and a, and a heartbreaking story. Oh God, the, the penguin story. How can you feel sorry for it? And yet you do, Oswald. Yeah. Jesus Christ! But you've got so, so you've got Danny DeVito. You can't not love Danny DeVito. Mm. You've got Michelle Pfeiffer in there. You've got Keaton, obviously again, um, and you've got uh, Walken as well. Yes, playing Walken basically. Yeah. But that's okay. Totally yeah. okay with that. Selena Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Nicholson is um, phenomenal. Joker, best Joker in my eyes. By yeah, just it doesn't even come close to me, to be honest. He fledges amazing. Don't get me wrong, and he has some great moments in The Dark Knight. I just find Nicholson more comical. Mm. Um, uh, Ledger's more. Um, he does the pencil gag, you know. Yeah, um, and he does the, the the beautiful moment where the, the hospital. They had the problem with the hospital blowing up. And Which he is just, amazing, because he did that he on, on, on Adlib. Yeah. yeah. Which is fantastic. And those are comical moments. But Nicholson has them in abundance. Yeah. You know, with the flower, with, with the acid, and the with the bell, etc. It's just... Well, I'm no Picasso, but do you know what <laughs> yeah. Oh, genius. Yeah. Absolutely genius. Crap, crap, <laughs> crap. Ah, now this <laughs> is art. <laughs> Well, he's going through the museum as well, and he's just knocking stuff over. So he imitates like a statue of someone standing on one leg and just knocks it with his hand. Oh, my God. You can't write that stuff. That's just Nicholson being him, and the camera's just going, follow him. Yeah. Watch whatever he's doing, because it's absolute gold. And I I think, you know, just mentioned earlier about Nicholson getting into character off camera. I'm sure, I mean, any good actor would do that, but, you know, he was doing that. Mm-hmm getting ready and and they would have just you know when you direct you're supposed to just let the actors run through the scene before you start rolling the camera let them go through the scene a number of times so you can talk about blocking staging etc but also the more times they do it up to about four or five times they're gonna come up with new ideas and and they did that with with Joaquin Phoenix in Joker we were talking earlier about the dancing scene in the bathroom He, he came um, so they would have certainly followed Nicholson around and let him follow the script a, a bit, but give him the freedom to improvise a lot of stuff, and you can feel that in, in Nicholson's performance. I personally believe if Nicholson wasn't the Joker in this film, that Batman Returns wouldn't have existed because the issue that everyone had with Keaton, because he was a comedy actor prior to mm. this, so people were like, oh, what are you doing? He's, he's not a superhero. 
without Nicholson's performance as the Joker, I don't feel like this film would have been regarded as a success financially because Nicholson was the big name in wow this this person's involved in this film Keaton like I said was just a comedy actor so it was almost a miscast to that extent prior to the internet as well that's really the only reason why the film went ahead because now for example Robert Pattinson as Batman the amount of backlash that that man got Jared Leto going back to the Joker as well prior to Suicide Squad coming out you saw the poster of him and everyone was like what on God's earth is going on here because now that the internet's there we've all got a voice back then though it was just word of mouth and that worked in its favour and because of that the film with Nicholson there as well I just made it into an absolute success of a movie yeah I mean if you strip down the story of Batman you only need Batman and Joker yeah um, they work hand in hand because they're polar yeah, opposites of what it, they're meant to exactly, be exactly yeah colourful should be good dark should be evil yeah and they're completely different to one yeah, another yeah yeah um and uh, the way he provokes, you know, this uh, man of few words, Batman, with his flamboyant, uh, you know, mocking persona, it's it's just magic, and and that 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 goes for all Batman. That's why it's so popular. I think the comics, etc. The Joker is his arch nemesis. Yeah, for a reason. Um, so to have someone like Nicholson play that key role was just perfect casting absolutely uh, that's why I don't think you can beat the first Batman but there are other reasons you know the, the suit is the most iconic suit with Suits the yellow amazing. the yellow kind of uh, imprint uh, like I said the best car is it Kim Bassinger yep. in the first one I mean I think Kim Bassinger's it great it was going to be Sean Young Vicky Kyle was it Vicky Kyle or uh, Vicky Vicky Vale Vicky Vale Vicky Vale Vicky Vale um, Bob Kane was meant to do a little cameo in it as well who sorry uh, Bob Kane the guy who created Batman right okay um, he was meant to do a little cameo but he became ill so instead um, Knox Vicky Vale's um, like helper yep. or yep. photographer he uh, has drawn apparently Batman and it's basically a bat in a suit but right at the bottom is signed Bob Kane okay. which is really really nice that's and nice that's touch, how he yes. did his cameo in it which that's is a nice touch. really really nice but yeah it's it's an amazing film and, and like you said just quickly going back to it the score mm. is second to none um, there's mm. a particular bit of the score I know what you're going to say can I guess it before you say it yeah, go on it's when he saves her yeah Vicky Vale and she's in the car with him and he's driving through the forest back 100%. to the back cave. I feel like we my may f- have had this conversation my because favorite. it is the best undoubtedly score in my personal opinion that Elfman's yeah. ever it's about a minute and a half and that's all you need is it's got the drama, it's got the mm. build, it's got the intensity, it's got the theme running through it. Yeah. And then just to see that nothing's really happening, but just driving oh my god, mm. and the flames coming out the back of the car mm. as well absolutely I feel like they lifted that scene a little bit for Batman Begins when he, um, uh, she is um, uh, knocked out yeah she's Rachel. drugged she's drugged and he puts her in the car Rachel! Rachel yeah that bit and as he drives over through the waterfall bit um, it kind of you get that evokes, feeling yeah memories of the, that, that moment in the first Batman film um. Yeah, I said to you, didn't I, when we were discussing choices? I said, "Are, are you doing Batman? Because if not, I'm going to do it as one of my." And I think your response was, "Oh yes, of course, of, I, of course, know. I'm doing Batman." So um, it's too iconic not to. Indeed, amazing. That was my second choice. Luke, what is your set of clues? Okay, so clue number one. Nicholson was paid $5 million for 10 days' work on this film. He worked an extra day for free when director Rob Reiner failed to get all of his footage shot in time. Uh, Clue two. Aaron Sorkin's script was originally a play and is based on an actual Code Red event that apparently happened at Guantanamo Bay. Bay. Really? Yes, so it's, it's based loosely on a... Wow, a real life situation. It was a code red on a a base military term, and they made it into a film. Yes, that that must give this away. Mm. Um, 
if that doesn't, this will. Uh, uh, clue three. Tom Cruise's impersonation of Nicholson in the film was ad-libbed. It wasn't in the script. And Demi Moore's and Kevin Pollack's reactions are genuine. That's ballsy that for Cruise to do that. Yes, but I think at this stage in time, Nicholson was such a well-known actor, an iconic actor, that as soon as he did this impersonation, mimicking Nicholson's character in the film, he could have been mimicking most Nicholson characters. Yeah, um, He actually does a pretty good job. He does sound like him. He does well. We will reveal after this. Tell us, okay, what so is this film? This is obviously A Few Good Men. Mm. With probably one of the most well-known lines of Jack Nicholson's ever. Ever. What line's that? <laughs> no, I know, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you were looking at me then, I was like, oh my God, have I said something? No. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, Nicholson, calm down. Yeah, I mean, I think credit... A lot of credit has to go to Aaron Sorkin's fantastic script. Uh, Aaron Sorkin is a, a, a top-notch screenwriter mm. and, and has written numerous uh, scripts for um, films that have critical acclaim yeah. because of the, the story and the, the punchy dialogue. Um, he's like the sought-after screenwriter. So uh, kudos to him for that. But um, yeah, it's, it's that big line culminating in that, in that end scene where Nicholson... You know, Cruz's character finally gets it out of him, makes him admit in a court, um, a, a military court, that he did order the code red, which led to the death of a marine. You know, he, Cruz's character, Caffey, Lieutenant Caffey, sets him up knowing that Colonel Jessup, which is Nicholson's character, knowing that he will tie himself up with his own arrogance and pride because, you know, he he doesn't believe Jessup doesn't believe that even if he admits that they'll send him down you know because he is this great military commander yeah no one is taking me down exactly yeah I did it for the you know benefit of my country he's above the law he he thinks he's above the law Um, yeah it's it's a classic one of those classic courtroom dramas it's amazing it's uh, two and a half hours long and it flies by it does fly by very quickly it does fly by and I think Cruz is is fantastic in it Um, Demi Moore's great in it when was this May? Oh, this would have been 95 95 yeah so 94 95 so Cruz has done a few things say the least already yeah. he's done Rayman so he's he's known very well yeah. Demi Moore's obviously done a few things Ghost, as well yeah um, you know she did I mean this was around the time I think she did you know her career after this started to I think she did G.I. Jane I think after this and Strip tease, and by that point, it started. It started Ooh, to started to go downhill. Um, I'm surprised she got this role after Disclosure with Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas, which yeah. is a shocker of that a is, film. That is a, a shocker. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, was like, it, was, job. it was one of those films that you'd expect to be on. In fact, they probably did put it on Channel Five at 11:30 at night, which <laughs> you know, on a Thursday night, 11:30 Channel Five, you know, alongside Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah. <laughs> It was that um, over the top with sexualization. Oh god! It was like soft porn, basically. Yeah. It's like Jesus, you can't get any real stuff. Well, here yeah. you go. This is the best you've got. I can imagine that script and like, okay, Demi Moore's going to play the, um, you know, one of the lead roles for the, the female lead. Who are we going to get? And son, you know, Michael Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Michael Douglas. He works. Yeah. yeah he's, basically, he's done it all. You know, <laughs> what other erotic films can we get Michael Douglas in? I've got this new script. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, just going on, Matt, Douglas had a session when he was just in CD movies, actually. Yeah, he did another one. What was the other one he did? Um, did he? Was he in Indecent Proposal? 
I think he might have been in, in, in decent proposal, maybe. But um, that's, yeah. Woody, that's Woody Harrelson and it's Robert Wo- Redford. Sorry, you're right. It's Woody Harrelson. Not Mark who's Thomas. the woman? No. That's not Demi Moore, is it? Maybe it's Demi Moore who's in Indeed. I think it is Demi Moore. So between the two of them, they were just doing seedy films yeah. in the early noughties. Yeah, her, her career early started 90s. to go down. But I mean, this was a high high point certainly Massively. for her in the mid nineties. Um, she has good chemistry with with Cruz. Yeah. Um, and dare I say, it, I think Cruz might steal the show, which isn't a surprise to me because he's done that numerous times, in my opinion, and not been credited for it. Big fan of Cruz. Yeah, he gets a lot of stick because of his the Scientology person. stuff yeah. and etc. But. Before then, you know, he didn't get much. I mean, in Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman's great, but I think Cruz steals oh, the show. Yeah, I mean, Dustin Hoffman's playing an autistic savant, right? Fair enough. He's 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 magnetic as an autistic, but Cruz as the as the brother who who demands his share. Yeah, and he he's and he because of I think the hype around hype's the wrong word, but the fact Hoffman was playing. A character who's autistic mm. and played so well overshadowed in the critics' eye that Cruz, did. that Cruz did. But he's so great in Rain Man. And this is another performance in A Few Good Men where because Nicholson is so great in his you know, few scenes and he gets the big line you can't handle I think people forget that Tom Cruise how good is Cruise is. Good in he it. is. Yeah, so it's uh, he's not in it like I say much Nixon, but when he is, he um, yeah, he owns he does yeah he owns his scenes. You have to say, um, and he's got some some killer lines. You know, I, I wrote one down actually. Read one out. You asked me to do an impersonation. I'll do my best. But I think this is a, a great line, which kind of depicts his his character. Perfect. He says, uh, <laughs> "Here we go." I eat breakfast 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans who are trained to kill me. So don't think for one second you can come down here, flash a badge, and make me nervous. And he says, uh, son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You want me on that wall? No, you, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. You know, he plays this military guy who all he cares about is the military code. Yeah. Um, it's so brilliantly written by Sorkin, but so brilliantly performed by, by um, you know, this 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 pride that um, that destroys destroys him. Mm. Yeah, and I, don't I, f- know, I don't know what else I can say about. Nicholson. Well, I, f- I feel like just with these these films and just every film in general, as we were saying from the start, without Nicholson, these films wouldn't be as good. They re- he really does hold the films up because he has such a portrayal of them. Um, going back to your even Witches of Eastwick, without him, that film's null and void. It's redundant. He has fabulous presence. He's you know? a wonderful actor. It's he is. A- he is iconic. He, yeah. He's the epitome of um, iconography. And, and you know, you mentioned his smile, his eyes. He's got those eyebrows and that that, that that go perfectly with that mouth. Yeah. As soon as you see his face, you think, oh, we're in, we're in for a ride. Forehead, here. eyebrows, yeah. mouth. That's what I see when I see Nicholson. And a receding hairline. That's the other bit as well. Yeah. That's him to the letter. We've already gone into it, but definitely my favourite film is One Flow Over Cuckoo's Nest for him. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. But you can't help but enjoy any of Nicholson's performances. They're absolutely outstanding. We didn't mention... I mean, mention it briefly, but... Shining. The Shining. So uh, at this point, I imagine a lot of people are thinking, how have you not chosen... The Shining and, and, and you know don't get me wrong that's certainly one of his best yeah. performances as well um, I think from a nostalgia point of view I didn't see The Shining because obviously it's material mm. until I was much older than being a kid I saw these films a few good men I saw a few years later but I saw most of these films all of them by the time I was 11 I didn't see The Shining until I was probably about 16 Jesus I was going to say if you'd seen The Shining <laughs> before yeah. you were 11 so the nostalgia factor has yeah. played a part in the choices here for me and I think for you as well he plays a lot of characters whose name is Jack as well I've noticed yes he, he does in, it even in, in in Batman his name is Jack yeah he does it a lot so Chinatown Shining um, yeah Batman he, he seems to get those roles quite a bit mm. which is you know easy for the other actors because they can say his name in error and it's perfectly fine 
I wonder if that's a technique. I'm not, I can't be certain on this, but I've noticed... Because I've, he's so iconic. It's just easy to say, he's, well, when you're on set, you don't want to be saying actor's real name and then their character name and just going between two, you either say one or the other. Yeah, Some yeah. actors like to be called by their character's name constantly throughout. Some like to be called by their stage name. Yeah. Maybe it's just a creative choice to change the name from Keith <laughs> to the actor's name. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure I've seen other examples where... Maybe it's by coincidence, or maybe not, that the actor playing the part has the same name as the, their character's name. Um, so it might just be one of those things. I mean, it, with Nicholson, I believe it helps as well because of the way that he acts. But if you've got a character so which it, yeah. is already Jack, it's right, you're already there. So although it's the character merging around Nicholson, because they've got the same name, it's just easy for that transition as well as an audience person to kind of witness them being one and the same. Yeah. It's wonderful. Nicholson is genius. I think it, it, it goes to show his level of icon, mm. iconography, you know, that he holds, that when they did the stage version of One Flew Over, The Cuckoo's Nest... I was not aware that even existed. Yeah, they did it. They started it a few years ago. I don't know if it's still going, but they cast Christian Slater in the part. Really? Because he has that look... Yeah, he can do like the, the eyes and the, the mouth. Wide eyes, yeah. Now, I don't. I think Christian Slater is not a bad actor. You know, I wouldldn't put him in the league of Jack Nicholson. Don't get me wrong, or yeah, certain other actors. Ballpark. But they obviously made that judgment because of uh, he looked like Nicholson. He could pull that look. So they know how important that look is from that film. That just goes to show how iconic Nicholson is in One Flew Over and Every so many other film films. Does. Yeah, he's a wonderful actor. I don't feel like we'll ever have anyone like Nicholson no. again either. And, you know, mentioned to you earlier, I don't think you've seen it, but I highly recommend. Uh, we said that when we're watching Nicholson, we're watching Nicholson, not a character, but uh, definitely see about Schmidt because he gives a different performance and it is a dark comedy, a black comedy, as, as, you know, in, more or less. And he kind of plays this character where he's of an age, I think his wife's passed away and... He's into his 60s, maybe even his early 70s. His daughter's marrying a guy from a family that he can't stand. They're a bit weird. Everyone's leaving him and he feels alone. And he's, his his perception of the world now is that, you know, it's gone on ahead of him and he doesn't make sense of it anymore. So he he's plays this kind of lonely... And it's it's very funny. And it's his performance is quite... It's much more toned down than a lot of his other performances. So he can do, you know, he's not just, I don't think we, we meant that, that he is this kind of larger than life, crazy eyebrows, crazy big smile, one-liner type actor. He's, that's not him per se, but, but um, you know. Do you reckon that's not partly to do, because this was uh, early noughties, you said? For, About Schmidt? Yeah. Uh, yeah, early 2000s. You, 2004, something like that, I think. Do you reckon, though, that's partly to do with his age, that he was able to portray that in such a way? Because I, I, yeah, because I, going back to, you know, the, the 80s, 70s, he was eccentric because he had youth behind him. Whereas as he's got on, he's realised that he doesn't need to be as jumpy, as bouncy, as in your face. The Departed, he's quite... True. You know, and that was early 2000s. Um, yeah. yeah, so... There are some great moments in that. I think when he's eating the pasta and DiCaprio comes in, he's, you know, I'm not the rat, you know, that scene. Um, I I don't rate that film, but I rate Nicholson's performance in it. See, a lot of, a lot of people go wild for The Departed, and I do think it's a, a very good film. I'm a big Scorsese fan. Mm. I do think, on the flip side, though, there was a bit of hype in it because Massively. DiCaprio... It's a Scorsese film, DiCaprio, Nicholson, Matt Damon, yeah. all in it. Um, but, uh, you know, certain films, when the dust settles and, and time moves on, people go back and they're watching, like, oh, it's good, but it wasn't as great as I remember it. You know, yeah. I, I get the feeling it could be... That's for Departed. Yeah. yeah. Martin Sheen's in it as well. I mean, it's got a great cast. Um, you know it's an adaptation of a, yeah. an Asian film. Um, uh, internal affairs. That's right. In infernal affairs. Infernal affairs. Yeah, sorry. infernal affairs. Internal. Um, yeah. So uh, 
I, th- I still think it's a very good film and he's f- fantastic in it yeah I mean again anything that he's in any scene which he's in you're all automatically invested yeah like he's eating pasta and you're just like Jesus Christ yes he's one of those actors when you, when you hear oh Jack Nicholson's in that film oh, I might have to go and see it not many com- not many actors can command that no he doesn't do so much anymore does he it's not about no I think he's he's getting on a bit now I think like you like you were kind of mentioning um, if the right role comes along similar to his role in About Schmidt because mm. he, he's of this age now I think he uh, playing more of a, a subdued role where he can try something different I think I wouldn't be surprised if he took it but I'm sure most people want him to play the hey Jack you know like, amazing um, yeah a really un- last thing before we go a really underrated film which he's in um <laughs> is an Adam Sandler film which is Anger Management no oh, yeah um, he's because he just plays an old grumpy guy which he suits so well um, against Adam Sandler's yeah ways which but he you is. don't like as good as it gets he's a grumpy guy now. I mean he's got OCD mm. he's yeah but, but we're going back to it just doesn't age well <laughs> that film is not it, it, aging it's quite cheesy yeah, it's quite it's cheesy really whereas Anger Management you understand because Adam Sandler can throw the angry tone and Jack Nicholson does it well because he's really calm but actually behind it all he is really angry and you get to see it a few times mm. and those moments in particular when you see Nicholson just flip out absolutely fantastic yeah really really enjoyable that is the end of this week's show next week we'll be back with a, another episode another theme uh, but until then Luke's been a genuine pleasure thank you for joining us always once more. is for me thanks for having me on and um Look forward to the next time. Yep, you'll be back on once more, fear not. But until then, everyone, have a week.